Welcome to Satisfied, where our aim is to behold the glory of God. I'm Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. And this is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsboro, Oregon. Hey, do you want to tell everyone where we're at? Hey, we are in Seaside, Oregon. We are among or along the Oregon coast. We're at our NAB, uh, which is North American Baptist, our Northwest Regional Conference. Uh, we're gathering with a bunch of pastors and their families and church leaders in a conference room. Well, not specifically right now. We're in the conference room, but that's not. Anyhow, we are at our regional meeting, and uh, it's early in the morning, and I haven't drank enough coffee. Yeah, we're actually sitting in the conference room. We are. Where in an hour and 45 minutes, there'll be approximately, what, 180 other people here, uh, pastors, um, church leaders, and all all coming for the purpose of uh, fellowship within Christ and for our association um, and, and really to see God's kingdom grow, not only in the NAB Northwest, yeah. uh, but all throughout the United States and the world. So yeah, and this it's a pretty is, exciting time. This is a, a joy, something I look forward to every year, uh, the three years that I've been here, um, just being able to get together and fellowship with the guys that we're going to talk to in just a second. Uh, but we are led by the great Chris Chris Gorman. Gorman which his name has come up several times in our podcast, and it won't be the last. So we do, uh, we have, um, within the NAB, we have pastors, um, one of them spoke last night, who's been around for about 38 years, uh, and we have pastors who are at their churches for, for much, much less. And today, uh, we have two church planters, uh, Derek Fekas and Brian McSwan, and we're going to kind of... Do you just want to get out of the way now? We probably should. You should. Go ahead. Well, but I'm not really introducing him. I feel like it's more you. <laughs> okay. The first person we're going to introduce is... Derek Feckus. Nick just loves saying his name. He has the coolest <laughs> name in the world. Our church loves him for multiple reasons, but a big part is his last name. Okay. So so I was supposed to introduce Derek. Go for it. Let me let me continue. And, and, and you also refer to him as... The Feckus. Do you know that? You have an article before your name? I, I did not know yes. that. This is the first well, I've heard of one. it. But Feckus. it has been used before. It has been used before. I've heard that before. <laughs> so uh, Derek uh, has a wife named Anley. They have three children. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about your family? Yeah. Uh, we've been married um, for ten year, uh, nine years, ten years next year. Uh, we have three kids. Ezra is almost seven. Emerson's five. And Eliza is two. And, and Eliza and is Eliza's, sitting on his lap yes. right Eliza now. is it's here. Adorable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we live in Stanwood, Camano, Washington. Yeah. Uh, community of Stanwood, Camano. And and I, I, we're going to get to this. Um, how long have you been in Stanwood? I grew up there. We moved there when I was about five. Uh, my family did. Um, I've been out, went away for college, came back, went away for a couple years. My wife and I met in South Korea teaching English. Um, then we moved to Texas and then we've been back for about six years. Awesome. Um, so my wife is not from there. She's from Georgia, but, uh, she calls it home now and, and loves it. Awesome. Awesome. You want to introduce the McSwan? Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't know you guys met in South Korea. Yeah. Uh, that we, we gotta have another conversation now cause that sounds really cool. And I'd love to know how you guys, man, God's sovereignty. That's cool. Yep. Yep. Uh, the other person we have here is Brian McSwan. Uh, Brian and I go back four or five years now, and he is a guy who deeply loves the gospel, um, has a joy about him that is contagious, and uh, yeah, uh, I have greatly, greatly enjoyed our friendship. Um, he has a wife, Shauna, and three kids, Hunter, uh, McKenna, and Karis. And he has an amazing dog named Knox. And, Knox, uh, the best dog ever. Brian and I are, are dog people. His dog is the second best dog ever, right next to mine, Max. <laughs> and uh, But yeah, Brian, how about you let us know just a little bit who you are, how long you've been, uh, where you're at, and yeah. Cool. Yeah, my name's Brian McSwan, <laughs> as Nick said, and... Uh, my wife, Sean, and I have been married 17 years uh, right now. We have uh, our three kids. Hunter is 13. McKenna is 11. Karis is 9. And we live uh, in between Seattle and 
uh, Seattle, Washington, and Vancouver, BC, on the I-5 corridor in a city called Bellingham, which is about 30 minutes south of the Canadian border, uh, where we love. My wife was born there and grew up most of her life in Bellingham, and then uh, I grew up uh, through from the time I was 10 years old to 18, and then we moved back to Bellingham uh, in uh, after being away for college for a while. We love our city. We love where we live. I appreciate that Nick shared that we uh, just a white-hot passion for the gospel, and uh, we feel like we've been called to be missionaries, uh, in a sense kind of indigenous missionaries, like we're from Bellingham, and yet God's done a good work in our life. We met in Salem, Oregon, at a school called Western Baptist College, which is now called Corbin University. And uh, we met doing youth ministry there uh, at a church uh, in Salem called Morningstar Church. And then, uh, by God's grace, we're back. uh, We escaped Salem and are back in Bellingham. So, you know, I think think just to even jump on what a little bit Brian said and what we said— we're blessed here in the NAB Northwest, though, to have just a lot of just godly pastors who, man, truly their 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 desire is the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, and it is awesome. And so I, I think I think you guys are awesome representatives of that here. Um, it's exciting. It's exciting just what God's doing up in this area. So I think it's really interesting that both of you moved back to your hometown hmm. and planted a church, mm-hmm. uh, and I, you know. What does the Bible say? You know, a prophet is is with honor everywhere except his hometown. So you went back to your hometown, and and what a, what a cool uh, just just example of God's grace and calling you home and and using you there. That's that's neat. That's neat. My hometown is Salem, and I my wife does not want to move back to my hometown. So it <laughs> it, it wouldn't have worked in our in our situation. Um, hey, so we want to uh, take a few minutes. Um, to ask the question, what has led you to church planting? And then tagged on to that question, uh, why the NAB? Like, why are you, why did you choose, because we're an association, why did you choose uh, to associate uh, here with this group of pastors? Um, and uh, Derek, we'll, we'll start with you. And, well, yeah. and we know this is like a long question. Yeah, we know this is a so long So we know, and, and if you're listening, you talk to a church planner, they could give you like all day. And so we have handcuffed these guys we, and said, we you know, don't take all version. day doing it. That's right. um, but it is exciting. And so hopefully, uh, yeah, we just encourage you. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It, I never know when, where to jump in on that question. Um, and I, I get asked that a fair amount and explain the church planning journey to people that come to the church. And it's always a struggle to know where in the story to jump in. Um, so... Why church planning? For me, it was less about some fascination with the idea of church planting. Uh, that was very late in the the game, and it was mostly about uh, a passion to see the gospel clearly uh, communicated um, and lived out in a healthy church in uh, my hometown, uh, which I have a big heart for. Um, grew up there, have been involved in a couple churches, worked at a couple churches there um, over the years, Uh, know the church scene fairly well. There's some great things going on. There's a good amount of churches, uh, some healthy, uh, some not so healthy, some kind of in the middle. And uh, just, I mean, it's probably typical of uh, most communities, but just a great need for um, the the gospel to be more clearly and consistently communicated and lived out there. Um, there's a lot of moralism, a lot of just kind of religion. This is kind of what you should do as a religious person. Uh, try to be a good person. There's a lot of, here's the gospel to get you saved, but then it doesn't really have any relevance for the rest of your life. Um, you know, then just try to be a good person, try to be, um, you know, and not, not necessarily keeping the focus on God and who he is and what he's done for us in Christ and how that changes and affects and influences everything um, that you do as a Christian and is is your identity, gives you identity, gives you motivation um, for everything. 
Um, so God did a lot of work in me, just forming my convictions on a lot of that. Um, we were in a church in uh, Texas that um, just led to uh, being frustrated with some of the ways that uh, uh, church was being done and, and people were being um, uh, shepherded and, uh, and got some opportunities to do some uh, leadership and, and ministry training. And just through a whole host of factors, uh, God did a lot of work in me to want to come back to my hometown and be a part of the gospel um, being proclaimed there. Um, the idea of church planting was not uh, forefront on my mind uh, during that. Um, it it took uh, kind of other options falling off the table, and the presence of a church uh, of a of a church network, um, and this opportunity to be assessed and trained and um, and have some other guys who you we, we, you gotta you gotta recognize it. it uh, <laughs> My daughter is uh, she's, she's showing her frustration. Yes. What, what game is she playing right now? She is doing uh, <laughs> is Bible, stories. Bible stories. Bible stories. Oh. Bible stories. Bible oh, stories. Oh. Yes. <laughs> She's doing her devotion. Dude, seriously. And she's like <laughs> groaning in the spirit right now. <laughs> um, so we were in Texas. Uh, we were. I was put in touch with, um, there was a network called Three Strand uh, that was, uh, had some churches in the area um, around where we're at now and uh, had a desire, was, was set up partly to plant churches and to assess church planters. Um, so I was put in touch with a guy named Jim Fickert, um, who was a part of that, and we started talking, and uh, slowly other opportunities or options um, about coming back to the community kind of fell off, and church planting just continued to, to be there, and uh, slowly I warmed up to the idea. Um, I had never been a lead pastor. I had uh, done worship and youth in a couple churches, um, but in God's, God's wisdom and sovereignty, he, he led us, um, here and, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy looking back over the last six years. Um, so we moved back to Washington in 2013, late 2013, um, with the plan, with the hope of planting a church and, uh, we have, just continued on that path, um, went through some assessment, went through some training, and uh, formed a core group, and it was a very slow process for quite a while, a number of years, um, lots of times of questioning, is this what we're supposed to be doing, is God in this, um, but every time we asked those questions, it was, we never had peace about changing our plan uh, just kept pushing, felt like this was needed, um, just reinforced the vision. And, um, yeah, so we launched, if you will, uh, about two and a half years ago. And uh, we started doing Sunday evening services at that time. And we uh, just just a, a month ago moved to Sunday mornings, got, got some space of our own. I'll share more about that later. But... Um, yeah. So just That's good. That's good. So then how did how did the NAB come into that? Uh, yeah, so as we were as we were getting ready to launch, a couple other churches in our network um in the three strand network were already a part of the NAB. Um the church that actually planted us was not a part of the NAB. They're non-denominational. Um but uh so we got um Got to meet Chris, uh, the regional director of the NAB. Um, there was just a lot of similar um, similarities, a lot of similar passions, similar theology, philosophy of ministry. Just felt like we connected. Um, and it he w- does mean the great Chris Gorman. Yes. The, sorry. I didn't realize the full title there. On my phone, it's actually <laughs> titled Regional Superstar. Um, but, you know, the Chris Gorman works too. Yeah. Um, so there was already a couple other churches that, 
that were very connected to us that were part of the NAB. Um, that helped. Uh, got together with Chris, and, and that just, just felt good about that. Liked the idea of um, being connected to a larger uh, church um, organization, larger group of churches uh, that had more history, that had more experience, that had um, just... Uh, more wisdom and age and and time and and all of those things. Uh, the network, the other network that we're still part of, Three Strand, is is a newer, younger network. Um, so, just liked all of that. And then um, financially, it was uh, the NAB had grants for church plants, and we didn't have a lot of options um, for me being able to continue to to dedicate full time towards the church. Um, and so that was a great help. And I've told Chris this a few times, but, uh, so we got a, a grant from the NAB and it has been so great, um, being able to not feel, I, th- I think undue pressure. Um, I know in some situations that's, uh, maybe, maybe less, you know, is just the case, but not feeling undue pressure to like move things along at a, perhaps you know focus too much just on growth to be able to know financially like we're okay for now Uh, we've got some time and we can focus on discipleship we can focus on the things that uh you know we should be focusing on whatever the the, whatever the case but not having that pressure to be like we got to figure out finances like right now and we got to get self-sustaining but being able to grow i think in a really healthy um some might say slow, but I think for us it's been a really healthy yeah. process and timeline. And so I'm so thankful that that I have been able to dedicate full amount of time to shepherding people and, and preaching. And, um, yeah, so it's just a, yeah. a good partnership in, in many ways with the NAB. And we've been very thankful, and I'm thankful to be a part of a larger, like I said, more experienced yeah. Uh, with some older guys. Uh, Did he call us older? No, I didn't no, necessarily not us. call no, you older. Definitely, yeah. definitely, you guys older than us. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Thanks for sharing. Uh, yeah. How about Brian? Same question. Half the time. Yeah. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. um, uh, what led you to church planting, and why NAB? Yeah, well, listening to Derek uh, share is just super encouraging. Uh, we're a lot of our story is really similar. Uh, over the last few years, we were both part of uh, the same church planning network, the Three Strand Network. Uh, both uh, came uh, came into the North American Baptists. Uh, I guess we were what a year ahead of you guys timeline wise as far as planting but uh in a lot of ways we're uh within proximity we're within an hour of each other uh drive wise and have spent a lot of time uh together as brothers and it's been really fun watching god's grace at work in derek's life and amley's life and their uh family he's preached in our church i've preached in his church we've uh been deeply invested in praying for one another and are financially supporting their their church and getting in their new space and um anyways it's great to just be with brothers in Christ and see God's grace at work uh and he really is moving through Derek and Roots Church uh in Stanwood and it's really really clear and awesome so all right what was the question for me <laughs> what led you to church planting and yeah. why all right oh uh, yeah so I uh, like like Derek shared. Uh, I'm not ever really sure where to start because a journey towards church planting is really a life is really a lifetime journey. It's uh, there's no way to answer that without saying how did you become a Christian first of all, and then second of all, how did God call you uh, into ministry? What did that What did that look like? And then uh, how do we get to know you? And then you guys want an answer in like just a few minutes, and so. Uh, I'll do my very best. You didn't say this was going to be fair. I know, I know. I'll do my best, but uh, I think the spot to start is um, God has just poured out his grace uh, on my life, and he's just been so good to me. Um, My parents, it starts even in my family. My parents 
there's there's not really a history of of a gospel history in my extended family on my side of the family uh, my parents are first generation christians a faithful missionary uh lived uh down the street from my parents uh about the time i was born and shared uh the gospel with my dad and my dad became uh became a christian and my parents started going to church my mom became a christian and by god's grace i grew up in a home that was uh was different than the generations before <laughs> uh for mcswans and uh and both my dad and my mom's side of the family and so um I grew up going to church and learning Bible verses and being a part of Awana where they bribe kids to memorize the Bible for candy and uh, doing youth group and um, all those kind of things. And But whether or not it wasn't clearly taught in the churches that I was uh, had participated in or whether or not my eyes were just blind to see it, but I never never really grasped the gospel of, of grace. And Derek talked about uh, this idea of moralism, but what I heard in the church growing up was do better and try harder. And if you're not, if you're not good enough, then God won't, uh, won't be pleased with you. And so, uh, after a long time of just feeling a lot of guilt and shame that I just wasn't measuring up to God's standards, uh, I rebelled against, uh, against Christianity and decided when in my, uh, teenage years, I was not going to uh, pretend that I was something that I wasn't. And so in, in order to be true to myself, which is what the culture really values, uh, I uh, embraced my carnality and just said, all right, if, I'm, if Jesus died on the cross for my sins, then I'm going to go live life as, for the fullest. And it really took that for granted. And um, so yeah, November twenty eighth, nineteen ninety nine, uh, a story longer than the time that you have allotted. But uh, by God's grace, I'll bring you back. By God's grace, um, uh, I uh, I was involved in a backcountry snowboarding accident where I was um, where God just stopped me in my tracks. I was uh, buried and rescued uh, in a dramatic fashion and in a way that God made it clear that uh, he had given me a second chance on life, both physically and spiritually. And uh, I sat in my college dorm room reading the scriptures for the first time as a result of that. Not just, uh, not because I knew it was the right thing to do, but genuinely for the first time in my life, uh, opening the Bible in order to know God. And uh, it was there that I uh, that I really began to see that uh, the radical love for Christ towards sinners like me and realize that uh, in God's divine rescue plan in a similar way uh, that God had had his hand on my life, even uh, even the times where I had done my best to run far from him. And overwhelmed by the love of God and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, I I knew that I was gonna that ever that would change everything from that point on. And uh, so I got involved in a youth in a youth ministry. The only guy I knew that was uh, a Christian who was really serving Jesus was uh, had become a youth pastor in a church down the street. And so I went to him and said, "Hey, I'm, my life's a mess, but I'd love to help out in some way." And and um, and looking back, he took a risk on me before it was wise to do so. There was not really any uh, evidence yet in my life that I, that I, that that, that the this was uh, genuinely God at work and not just uh, me getting excited about something. And so, anyways, uh, we've just been kind of following the breadcrumbs wherever God would lead. And I met my wife, and we dated, and. And got married, and what we had in common together was a commitment to serve the Lord together wherever God would lead us. And and um, and so we we were in uh, two different churches, uh, both larger churches, leading uh, student ministries for uh, for uh, over a decade, maybe twelve years. And uh, we'd we'd moved back to Bellingham, and. Uh, have been involved in starting some new ministries and uh, I 
we got to a point where uh, our family was growing. We had three. We had three kids at the time, and um, looking back now, I realized I was pretty burnt out in ministry overall, and something wasn't right, and we couldn't put our finger on exactly what that was, but I was going 100 miles an hour uh, leading uh, what what for the Pacific Northwest would be large and growing ministries. Everything was going great on the outside, and uh, and I was really struggling, and uh, I was really torn. I wasn't in alignment with the church that I was at and the leadership and the direction of the church, but theologically and philosophically, God was taking me in a different direction, and so I had a lot of conflict uh, amongst the ministry leadership team that 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 I was a part of uh, privately behind the scenes, but then publicly, outwardly, everything was going great. But um, I was working long hours, and and uh, ministry uh, had started being something that from the get go it was like the Brian and Shauna team together something we did together and and as uh, as the years went on it became this thing where this was what dad's job was and dad went and was a pastor and the rest of the family's job was just to support what dad did and uh we just knew that that wasn't uh that wasn't what we wanted our family rhythm our family life and how we wanted to raise our kids in that environment and so uh, so I ended, it came to a point where I ended up resigning and stepping down. And uh, we call it my fourth sabbatical, uh, where uh, now we can look back and see by God's grace. We, uh, I went back into construction, which was my kind of what I had done through high school and college and got me through. And, and uh, we got plugged into a, um, a small little church in Bellingham called Oikos Fellowship uh, through the Three Strand Network. And... I spent a couple of years building and remodeling homes while we were part of this uh, of this church in downtown Bellingham, and that church happened to be a part of the Three Strand Network that Derek um, described. and uh, And those men within Three Strand, these other pastors, came alongside and mentored and discipled me. And um, while I was really burnt out on consumer driven, uh, church growth focused ministry, uh, what we really discover is that we were not at all burnt out on ministry itself. And over a couple of years of really being discipled and God using these men to clarify a call to, you know, back into church planting and pastoral ministry, I realized one of the reasons I'd, I had resigned from ministry, from being a pastor was because I really felt called to pastor, mm-hmm. but had a very different uh, definition or yeah. <laughs> vision for what that could uh, look like and should look like biblically than the yeah. context that I was in. So anyways, we plugged in with this these guys. They uh, After a while, uh, we went through a similar kind of assessment process and training for a couple of years, and these guys both clarified in a call to uh, start a new church in Bellingham, and we had a group of people that met in our home for several years uh, in our living room, and that became what is Legacy Church today. And so... Um, and how did the, the North American Baptist thing that, uh, Nick asked, Hey, how did, how did you choose the North American Baptist? And, uh, much like a church family, uh, oftentimes we think we choose the church that we'll be a part of. And then looking back, we realized by God's grace, it wasn't just a group of friends that we really liked or the pastor we liked or the music that we liked but it wasn't just a, a a group to encourage us along the way we realized that the church really is a family that god has chosen for us and placed us into and similarly uh through relationships uh with other pastors in in our region uh i was invited uh to seaside right where we were at five years ago and we had we shared our vision for planting a legacy church, that it would be a church that was a response to the gospel. Yeah. Um, there would be a church that would uh, see and, and and savor Christ as the center, and everything we do would be a response to how yeah. Jesus has saved us from death to life. And 
Uh, we talked about a vision for being a missional church, for being a church that's a disciple-making. Churches, you know, a church is disciples that make disciples. And we share this vision of wanting to be a multiplying church and wanting to plant other churches. And and as we shared that, uh, the um, that really resonated, we saw. And the North American Baptists were this group of pastors and people. They were really excited about the same things. Yeah. And when you sometimes you get together with with another friend and you start talking about the things that really matter uh, on your heart and you and you realize that that those are the same things that God's been doing in somebody else's life yeah. at, simultaneously or in a network or in a uh, in a group like this. And we realize, man, this is uh, God has actually put us together. And so I look back and I'm just so blessed and yeah. thankful uh for the alignment with uh yeah. with the north american baptist and we see it as a just another evidence of god's grace well i remember five years ago when you came and gave your your uh testimony and the vision for the church right here in this room yeah and uh that's pretty awesome it's pretty awesome to see what god has done and, and where you're at now and and just the growth in the church and and even where you are and your growth that's occurred in you and the love that you have for christ um well, hey, uh, Thanks, man. that was awesome. You guys, you guys did a really good job. Um, I, I know that church planting, like, like if, if you're sitting in the cheap seats, uh, like, like I think where many of us are, we don't know what you guys are going through. Uh, you know, and, and even people in the church, in your church, they, they don't know like necessarily what it takes, especially those who are joining your church today or in the last six months. They don't know how how things came about and where you even got to where you're at today. And I know that for so many of us, we just know that there are church planters out there and, and you guys are, are, are doing something and you know, it's just kind of that animal out there and we're not really sure what it looks like. So can you just give us a, a glimpse of what's, what's a, what's a church planting challenge that many of us are not aware of? Like give us a little glimpse into just where you guys have been. Yeah. Um, well, there's an anecdote that I like to share that involves <laughs> Brian. Um, I love anecdotes that involve Brian. <laughs> Please do it. Um, we'll double your pay. Well, so Brian's in Bellingham, which is a, a more of a city, and 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 I am in a, a more rural area. Uh, Hang on a second. Do we yeah. need to give Brian a microphone so he can respond? <laughs> no, he doesn't need to respond. Um, so the community of Stanwood Camino is, it's about 35,000 people, but it doesn't, it's really more of a smaller, more rural town. And, uh, Brian once told me early on, uh, as we were both, um, planting churches that church planting is really sexy. (laughs) And, uh, I think in Bellingham that might be the case or Seattle, but in a more rural, small town, uh, it is definitely not the case. It is the exact opposite. Um, it is not something that people are itching to be a part of. Um, in in a more uh, rural area, people are less uh, excited about change and newness and trying something that may or may not work. And there's less of the entrepreneurial spirit of, of trying new things. And so, I mean, that leads into a couple challenges, at least for for us and I, probably for church planning in smaller areas in general, in just how, how you're going to be viewed by other churches, other Christians. Um, I mean, I came back to my hometown, uh, a town I grew up in, uh, a town where I knew a lot of people and, you know, had... Some, it's hard not to have some expectations of, oh, I'm sure people would love to be a part of uh, this church plant. Um, Some people have, but nothing like my expectations. Uh, I've met, we've met with a lot of just kind of not understanding why you would plant another church here. There are plenty of other good churches. Um, I've had people ask me that uh, straight up. Um, and then just a lot of, uh, you know, people not, aren't sure what a church plant is. Um, 
like is this kind of kind of a cult? Um, just not not understanding what a church plan is, not understanding why why somebody would plant another church. Um, so that's that's definitely been a challenge. Um, and then probably something that's true no matter where your church planning is, no matter how good your preaching is, no matter how good your kids' program is, no matter how good your music and, and everything else that you is and how good you are at loving people, uh, there's a whole ton of people that aren't going to show up at your church until it's established, until it feels, until they're sure that it's going to stick around, that it's not risky, and it looks more like a established church. Um, so, and, you know, I'm so thankful for and so encouraged by the people that God has brought up until this point when it's been uncomfortable. Uh, it's, you know, it's intimidating to come into a church of 20, 25 people and, you know, I'm going to single you out after the service and talk to you and, and see if you want to get coffee. And, uh, some people love that. And I'm thankful that there are people like that, that God has brought into our church that, have been a part of our core group. Uh, but there's a whole ton of people that are never going to show up at that church until it's more comfortable, less risky, less intimidating. Um, and then one other challenge I'll just mention is that uh, just personally and family-wise, um, being able to not make too much of church planting and the success of the church and not put your family's health on the line and your personal health on the line in, uh, you know, there are more important things than the church succeeding or not than the church making it or not. And being able to just continue to make your family a priority, um, your personal spiritual health a priority. Um, that is a challenge that every pastor, everyone in ministry experiences, but there are some ways that church planning kind of can exasperate it. That's good, man. Thanks. What you, Brian? You know, uh, Derek mentioned uh, Bellingham being being cooler than Stanwood. I think that's what you said. Sexy, sexy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, there there really was there really was a time um, that I desired to be a part of a a new work or a new endeavor, uh, simply because it was new and. Also, a real genuine, I think one of the reasons church planning is sexy is that for some at at some point or because uh, church planning has become such a popular uh, ideal is that it just kind of seems to be the the top of for for many in ministry of what it looks like to uh, to reach people who don't yet know Christ and it really comes from a, de- a right desire f- uh, to look around and see so many who who are far from God all around us and especially in the Pacific Northwest where um, where where many churches are struggling and, and many um, many of our friends and uh, community are far from God there's a right desire to to reach people who aren't yet being reached with the gospel and uh, however, then then the ministry itself has kind of become this like, oh man, church planning. Yeah, we gotta plant new churches and and where youth ministry was super popular twenty years ago. Now there's so many people that aspire to uh, plant churches. And personally, on our journey, you know, early on, that was really a desire that I think came from the flesh for us. That was something that uh, we endeavored to do. And it was really difficult to see the line between what was driven by the Holy Spirit and what was driven by just personal ambition. And uh, and during those couple of years in between like vocational ministry, one of the things that God, and, and this kind of leads into the greatest challenge, the greatest challenge for me has just been relearning the gospel, like personally, mm-hmm. on a deeper level. I think all, all pastors... Uh, struggle uh, at some level with finding their identity and their role or the success of the ministry or the church that they lead. But when you're planting a church from the start, um, well, when you're in an established church, it can be, you can go for long periods where 
uh, you may not realize that you're trusting in other things for the success of the ministry. It may be the uh, the gifting that you have or the experience that you've picked up along the way, you know, preaching or in leadership or as a pastor and uh, maybe even the gifting of others that are around you or the established rhythms. This is what we do and this is how it's done or the success of other ministries. But when you're starting something, when you're endeavoring to reach people who don't yet know Christ and you're starting your living room with just with nobody, uh, you're in a place of absolute dependence on God. Like, God, if you don't do this, if, you, if you're not in this, it won't happen. You need to trust Jesus for the finances, for the people, for the boldness and the courage to share the gospel with your friends that don't yet know Christ. For uh, In every area, um, you're in a spot where we're all in this spot. We're all in a spot where we we need to trust Christ for all that we need. However, we don't often always are fully aware of that. And I think one of the one of the gifts of this church planning journey for me is a continual awareness and neediness and desperation for God at work in my life and in my marriage and in my family and in our church. Uh, And however, if God wasn't there for a minute, we are aware we would cease to exist. (laughs) So if it wasn't for, so our part of our, our journey in planting the church was uh, at the beginning going, Lord, if you've actually called us to this, you're calling others as well. And so for us, it started in the place of prayer uh, where we're going to actively Oh, I'm going to actively work to provide for my family. And uh, but the if if God really desired to start a new church in Bellingham, it was His work and not ours. Then He was going to call and bring other people to that around us as well. And so uh, we spent hours and hours on just um, and just praying. Lord, would you would you lead others to this? Would you send others alongside of us to be a part of this? And then. So we're trusting God for people. We're trusting God for the finances. We're trusting God. In all those ways, uh, everything just felt and still feels incredibly fragile uh, apart from him. So I think that's just one uh, one of the ways that church planning is unique. There's just a f- fragility that is that you're very aware of uh, continually and a, just a need to be Uh, for Jesus to show up and for him to do the work. That's good, man. That's good. I like, I like how you say the relearning the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I, I, you know, I think that ought to be really the path of, of every Christian, of every pastor. And, and I think, you know, like church planting is going to be, a way that you're going to relearn the gospel different than, than some other guys are in, in however God calls them. That's good. No, well, I, I what I mean, by, what I mean by that is not conceptually. Right. It doesn't mean, I don't mean, you know, in a way that we'd be able to clarify the gospel more succinctly or <clears throat> communicate it even more effectively or that it would, you know, be, uh, we have better like gospel tweets, you know, um, what, what I mean is do like you tweet. I no, I'm not on Twitter. Do, do you know what Twitter? But I know is? that's a thing, right? <laughs> I, I, do you have are, that? Aren't church planners supposed to do that? I don't know. Well, yeah. I, and maybe you guys have found this too. It, it my perception going in because um, I planted two, year, two, three years ago uh, of what church planning was and and what God would use to draw people to it is completely different than how He's actually brought people to us i mean it, it it looks completely different than than what i thought it would be and it it sounds like you know that's some of your guys' experiences as well so yeah that's good no i appreciate that um about probably one last question yeah um which one you want to do how about we ask them both this uh, uh i kind of like well go ahead well, you, you decide okay i'm deciding it's all you. It's kind of the fate of this depends on you now. Here we go. Um, what 
What do you know now? Oh, that's the one I wanted you to ask. Well, that's the one I was asking. That's what I wanted you. Now, well, did you think you asked it because no, you wanted to? No, that's the one I, I wanted to ask. But is it because I wanted you to ask it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> Good. Okay. Hey, and actually, we'll ask this to both of you. Um, what's the one thing, or what do you know now, that you wish you had known when you started? I'm still holding the microphone. Seven so words. I'll go first. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, not much. Uh, you know, I've heard it said that the uh, the greatest <laughs> the greatest day in the life of a church planner is is the day before they launch because it's all it all is perfect on paper, right? When you know your doctrinal statement or your uh, your ideas or philosophy. Of, hey, here's here's how here's the kind of church that we desire to. Uh, plant or here's a strategy on how we're going to do that and uh and then you actually set out and endeavor to do that and people come and and you realize that the people that the people that god brings you aren't the leaders that you hoped that he would or you realize that the uh the strategy that you had actually doesn't work because you're spending you know more you're spending more time dealing with sin in people's lives than you'd like to and in your own life uh, or you're realizing that you certainly aren't as like your charming personality isn't as winning as you would hope it would be and there's <laughs> you're you're not just you're you're just realizing not everyone is going to like you and all of those things and so uh, uh, from the get-go there are I'm not sure that there's anything that I would point to that it, that I could say that hey this is something I didn't know I'd never heard of and now that I know it this is the key that unlocks the door to faithful successful ministry I think in a in a different sense there are things that I know now in a deeper way they were they were things that I knew to be true before may have even answered a question similar, you know, in a similar context, but in a deeper way, know them uh, to be true now. And a couple of them that just jump out to me are, first of all, is just the importance of prayer in the life of a pastor. And I mentioned just uh, depending on the power of God and the grace of God continually, but, um, you know, in, in Acts 6, you know, the disciples appoint other other leaders as the needs of the church grow, and um, and as the apostles do that, they they share that what God's called them to do are these twin ministries of the ministry of the word and of prayer, uh, specifically, and how those go together. But uh, one of the things that in this season of ministry and planting legacy church has taught me more than anything is that prayer itself is the ministry, not just the key to successful ministry. Like it's some sort of equation, like preach the word, pray. And if you preach and pray well, then God will work. But that devoting yourself personally to being a man of the word, to being in the word, studying God's word and, being led and driven by God's word and being a person of prayer, praying for people. And prayer has absolutely, I believe, much of our fruitfulness is actually demonstrated in the prayer lives of our people, aligning our hearts with God's heart and God actually helping me to care for people and love people deeply that, um, that maybe I wouldn't like right away off the bat or be drawn to right away um, that aren't like me. And uh, so anyways, that would be one I would just think is God's been, I'm just really thankful. God's been growing me in the place of private prayer and seeing that as a part of my role. And one of the things that God's called a pastor too is to, and all pastors know that, but sadly, uh, for many years, I was a pastor who prayed very little, uh, for it's the first thing that goes when you're busy, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. And, and, and in, in, in planting, or I guess in all ministry contexts, we're, we're continually tempted 
to do the things that are most visible <laughs> that that, yeah. that are yeah. that uh, others see the most but it's it's really uh, so anyways I would say that that was certainly one of one of the ways that God is um, God has grown me in is seeing prayer as essential ministry uh, in planting and I'll add one more is is just the valuing uh, faithfulness and longevity over gifting mm-hmm. and it seems like uh, it seems like most uh, church planning networks and and many churches uh, value a certain personality type or gifting uh, or experience I guess they're looking for this entrepreneurial leader that wants to break the rules and it's kind of this rebel leader in the church that's going to go out and start some new thing and um, I just don't see that at all as uh, as essential or even most of the time helpful, which is interesting because Derek and I are very different personalities. I am kind of tend more towards that entrepreneurial, like visionary guy. Uh, Derek's very different than that. He's actually much more biblical and faithful <laughs> and, and just like steady and stays the course, which I appreciate. But, uh, you know, if, if I... You know, as we're in the process of assessing new church planters and leaders today, uh, we're not we're not looking for flashy guys who are you know have this uh, certain personality type that score in a certain way on their personality yeah. test or answer the questions the right way. But men who are faithful and called yeah. and um, and actually are willing to go the long haul. And in the, in the Northwest. We just look around at like the churches that are that are bearing fruit and they're lasting and are planted and continuing to uh, go. They're they're planted by humble men, prayerful men, men of, centered on the word, not necessarily the most um, the most charismatic or or um, those type of leaders. So I think the values shifted from uh, from uh, maybe from ministry strategy to prayer yeah, and the good. word as ministry and maybe from maybe from uh valuing uh gifting or a certain personality uh, yeah. personality type to valuing faith just simply faithfulness and and longevity and character and spiritual growth so that's good man so, so yeah. derek this question to you and and you have about three minutes yeah, yeah. to answer a 17 minute question uh same thing what do you know now that you wish you had known when you first started. Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is how much God values my humility and dependence. Um, this is this is certainly not uh, unique to pastoring or church planting. Oh. Sorry. Um, but we tend to want to get to a place where we don't have to rely on God as much. Um, yeah. Certainly that is been the case in church planting you tend to want to get to a point where you don't have to i mean all the things that brian was talking about just like god if you don't act if you're not in this it's not going to happen we tend to want to get past that to where we don't have to we know how things are going to work we know who's going to come to church we know how the finances are going to be met um, and all this stuff and you know i've never gotten by god's grace uh, as we go through the different steps and seasons of church planting. And for us, it's been very slow. Um, we've never gotten to a point where it's like, all right, well, we've got this down. We got this figured out. Uh, again and again, God drives us to trust in him. Um, I mean, when people ask me how church is going, it's such a hard question because there's always like, there's great things to rejoice in. At any moment in time, there's frustrating things, there's discouraging things, there's both. It's a whole mixture. So, you know, grow, great, it's, is, is a horrible answer. I sometimes give it, but because uh, this just takes too long to get into all the nuts and bolts. But, um, yeah, learning how much God values my humility and dependency and being content with that. Uh, val- learning to value that as much as God does, just continuing to trust in God. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. I think, man, just those answers. Um, I mean, those those are like the right answers. I think we we 
we we expect to hear something flashy we expect to hear something novel um but but i i guess in reality i, I would say even what god has done in my heart um more and more of the last year and and probably several years is is a little bit of what you guys have said is yeah, man it, it's not about it's not about me it's not about my personality or ability to connect or or being that different guy that people are like oh man that's that's the guy that i want to be with in a church but but faithful in the word prayer uh and dependence on god that humility of just day by day perseverance uh which nothing novel i mean that's yeah. just walking right through the book of acts and corinthians and looking at paul's letters and and what Jesus calls us to do, uh, yet I, I think maybe Brian, you I think you just said something well. Uh, you know, the, the relearning the gospel, and again, not the conceptualizing, but the deepening. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I remember someone had said a long time ago, uh, think of the gospel like the ocean, like you can wade out into it, like 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 Derek's little daughter that he's holding right now can wade out into the gospel. And, she, and there's things that she can understand, but we can also throw the scuba gear on and we can go deep and we can discover treasures, but we're not, we're never getting out of the gospel. We're just going deeper within the gospel, discovering treasure after treasure. And I think that's really the life of the Christian. And, you know, whether, whether you're a church planter, whether you're just a church member or, you know, a pastor of an existing church, I think, I think the way we often go into that deeper into the gospel might look a little different uh just from the the path that we're on but it's really good no i I appreciate you guys sharing this was i don't know it's exciting and i feel like i have so many more questions now but there's a lot more to talk about but we yeah we don't have time well we got to start a conference here in like a few minutes and bobby's leading music because he's amazing with his wife and yeah yes she is but (laughs) Oh, uh, wait, how about you want to close us up and sure. uh, just pray, especially for, for these men, their families, their churches, and, and really just in the time we have as, as we're here at the conference. Yeah, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we praise you that these are not our churches. This is your church. And the, the church bodies that we are part of, there are local expressions of your church, of your bride. And you have sovereignly directed, Lord, what that looks like. Um, <laughs> and I, I just, I, I, I laugh to myself as I hear these men talk and, uh, and, and hear from them what, what you've been uh, whispering to me is that you will build your church. Mm. And you do it by the gospel. And you do it by your work. And you do it by your spirit. What is our growth strategy, Lord? It's just to be the church. It's to be who you've called us to be. And so, Lord, uh, uh, we rejoice with Derek at Roots. We rejoice with Brian at Legacy. We rejoice in the work you're doing, Lord. We pray that you continue um, uh, to lead them. Uh, to grow up disciples in the church, uh, that they would be on mission, that we would be on mission, Lord. Uh, We just pray your protection over their families as that is the first place Satan looks to attack. Um, Would you put a hedge of protection around them, Lord? Would you give them a sense of your spirit as you lead them? Um, And would you give them a deep, rich sense of your gospel love, Lord? pray this in Jesus name. Amen. You've been listening to Satisfied in Christ. Uh, you can check out the website www.satisfiedinchrist.life That's dot L-I-F-E uh, We'll also have links to uh, uh, to Roots and Legacy Church and other stuff. I think that's enough. I think, I think uh, if you guys haven't already go listen to these guys preach. Yeah. They're pretty good. Yeah, that'd be good. It's it's good work. Alright? It's good work.